the work that I've been doing with the she is about it's time for them to rise. Mm -hmm. They are the shining ones. Mm -hmm. They are this other race. And what I learned this week only is that the Syrian uh, star people, the Dogon tribe in Africa, you may know they were very connected with you know, their whole uh, sacred culture is to do with these people that came from the stars. Mm -hmm. and they came from the star system, Sirius. They had knowledge about Sirius way before modern science had. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I just found out this week that one of the other places that the Syrians came to was Ireland. Ireland. At Newgrange, uh, the Dagda of Newgrange was Syrian. Mm. And of course that made absolute sense because the Tua de Dalman were known as the Shining Ones. And now the she are the Tua de Dalman. So it's time for the Syrians to come back. Mm. Right? You got to accentuate the positive. Wow! I feel good. A little bit of feel good goes a long way. You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just bad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? Hello and welcome to another show, Accentuating the Positive with Karen Swain. I have the most delicious person to introduce you to today. <laughs> Her name is Leah Scallon. Welcome to the show, Leah. Thank you so much for having me, Karen. I'm thrilled to be here. One of the most sublime, beautiful, galactic, gorgeous songstresses, light language healers I've met in a long time. And remember, if you're liking the shows, please subscribe and leave your comments. And when you do, press the like button and put a comment. The algorithms on all the platforms you're listening to does pick it up and it does uh, make them more available for others to see. Now, let me read you a little bit about Leah. Incredible, incredible. You'll see her albums behind me. Incredible career that we're going to go into and a message from the Galactic Light Council. Leah Scallon is an award-winning composer, sacred songstress and producer of The Sounds of Sirius series of healing music albums. Leah is connected to the Galactic Federation of Light Beings who oversee the evolution of our world and many other worlds. And for over 20 years, Leah's otherworldly vocals have been transporting listeners to the sanctuary within the heart where they can connect with their own ability to heal. Many say that Leah's exquisite light language songs reach deep into their soul, awakening the remembrance of their life's purpose. It could be said that the sounds of Sirius are calling you home. Another purpose for these galactic frequencies is to reactivate the Earth's crystalline grid. In her role as a code bearer, Leah has journeyed to many of the planet's ancient power portals to help amplify these energetic vibrations with her sacred sound at this time of awakening. Her ceremonial work with the mystical crystal skulls is an integral part of the task. And you should see Leah's skulls, they're amazing. I'll show you some photographs. Since the release of her first album in 2002, Leah has released a further 11 albums. Is it 11 or 12 now? It's now, yes, another 11. So it's 12 altogether. 12 altogether of the Sounds of Sirius yeah. albums. 
Each title carries with it its own particular gift, whether it is to support those birthing a new life onto the planet, those expressing deep grief or loss, those seeking inner child healing or assisting in the animal kingdom, the metaphysical powers of the crystal kingdom, our affinity with the angels, our connection to the stars, or our heart's desire to manifest a new golden age of peace and harmony on earth. Leah's last three albums have generated multiple uh, international awards and, nominated, and nominations include Best New Age Album for The Crystal Keys in 2012 and Best New Age Album for The Luminous Pearl in 2013. Songs of the She, pronounced She, spelt S-I-D-H-E. That's an Irish word? It is actually. It's the Irish fairy kingdom. And it's pronounced She. It's pronounced She. So that's the Gaelic word ah. i know it's very counterintuitive beautiful has won six separate awards since its release including best new age album best female vocal album and global medal for best visionary music album in her recent 2020 international covdr award so you've just won an award right this year another award yeah, well yes that's just about a month ago actually the the gold award for um best best visionary album in the cover awards in the us ah, so beautiful albums include songs of the she the luminous pearl crystal keys songs to awaken the heart and heal the first little angel on earth. I love that. <laughs> the diamond light meditations for men and women, two separate albums, the breath of life songs of love for the animals star song. Actually, I was listening to star song last night. Oh, beautiful songs of the earth sounds of serious compilations. And her latest album is called invisible light. It's a free album for everyone. It's a direct response to our transitioning times, what we're going through at the moment. So it's free on YouTube. Where is it free? On uh, it's free on my website. And it's also, if you prefer to stream, um, it's also, you can listen to it free on Spotify and multiple platforms, you know, Amazon Music, Apple Music, all of those sorts of uh, places but if you want to actually download the album you can go to my website and uh, you'll see it there download and you also uh, i've just received a shipment of a physical cd as well because i know some people like me prefer to listen on cd because the quality is just so much better you know you uh, and there's oh. a lot of beautiful orchestration on this uh, you know on my last few albums i've um i have a team of absolutely incredible musicians and uh, so there's beautiful, um, complex orchestration on these. So they're great to listen to, you know, with quality headphones or on CD if, if you can as well. And your album, uh, sorry, your website is soundsofserious.com, sounds with an S on it, ofserious.com. And uh, there's a little thing here. All my years of reviewing music, I can't think of anyone who sounds like her. She's unique. And that's from Bill Blinkerman. Zone music reporter. Ah, beautiful. Okay, so how does a young Irish girl become a galactic songstress and find her way to Australia in Cairns, no doubt, right up the top of Australia? Because you were uh, carving out a career as an actress, weren't you, when you were young? 
I was indeed. When I left school, I was, my passion was acting and uh, that actually came, (laughs) I was extremely shy as a child, you know, really painfully shy. And, uh, you know, in my sort of, you know, 11 or 12, I found this thing called acting, you know, I got a role and uh, I was sort of the baddie in the play and uh, (laughs) I just felt this incredible uh, freedom and power in being able to express myself through a character, you know, where as a timid little girl, I wasn't able to sort of do that as myself. So that sort of started me off. And I, I, I had something, there was something there, obviously, when I spoke poetry or whatever, uh, people seemed to love it. So, you know, when you're good at something, I suppose, it's like anything you do, then you're encouraged to pursue it. And so I grew by the time I left school, I had a real passion and I knew that I wanted to be an actress. So, um, but you know, the, the old thing, get something to fall back on. I decided to go to university. I went to Trinity, which had a pure English degree. It was the only university that did a pure English degree, which was all I was interested in really. And also being a sister university with Oxford and Cambridge, it had a drama sock um, very much like the foot, footlights, uh, Cambridge footlights. So I spent my whole university really in the drama sock and uh, it, was, it was treated like a professional theatre really within the Dublin theatre scene. So, so I thought I'd found my calling, you know, yeah. at that stage. And uh, I, you know, went on to have a successful career, worked with some famous people and, <laughs> along the way. And How long and, was your acting career? How many, how long was your acting career? How many years were you doing it? Well, I would say it was um, 10 years. 10 years. About 10 years, yeah, maybe a bit more. Um, So I came to Australia just... Come on, do a bit of name dropping. Who did you work with? (laughs) (laughs) Well, in the earlier days, I toured uh, Ireland with Liam Neeson for three months and uh, Liam was a good friend at that stage haven't been in touch with him in more recent years but he I you know we were friends and so we traveled around Ireland with his uh, premiere production of Translations it was a Brian Friel play and it was the most extraordinary experience it was an incredible play and uh, it had sort of political and social um, aspects to it Um, so it was it was one of those tools that was really at that time, the troubles in Ireland were very yeah. much their height. Very and uh, so um, this play sort of crossed the borders, it crossed religion. And, and so mm. you had a lot of dignitaries from, you know, all walks of life coming to the premiere and stuff. So it was really exciting. And it, we, we played to packed houses all over the country. We played in everything from the opera houses in Belfast and Dublin to, you know, school halls. So it was an amazing experience. And uh, Liam Neeson was going out with Helen Mirren at that time. Oh, so, uh, she was my groupie. <laughs> so, oh, bless. She's oh, just divine to love yeah. Helen Mirren. Gorgeous. Fabulous actress. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic and a great lady. And uh, so no, then you have got some names to drop, haven't you? <laughs> And then, then in later times, I in that play as well with Stephen Ray, you may not know him, but he was another, you know, another Irish actor who still is sort of on the stage and made it in Hollywood as well. And uh, and then in later times here in Australia, I was in a movie um, with, uh, it was Kate Blanchett's first movie, actually, Paradise Road. Wow, yeah. And they had Glenn Close, Frances McDormand, Pauline mm-hmm. Collins, mm-hmm. and lots of other people. So those are just few of the people a few names. come across 
And what happened to change it all? Were you in Ireland when it changed or were you actually here in Australia when it all changed? Well, it was, I was in Australia by the time um, I, well, actually I left Australia. I came to our, our Australia in 1982 and I was here till 86. Mm -hmm. And um, I was, um, I uprooted myself um, I fell in love basically, or thought I was in love. And I followed this guy over to, uh, to London and we thought we knew each other, but it was a very, very brief, you know, fling. And so, you know, he proposed to me and I said, yes. And I went over there, but it just didn't work. <laughs> so, uh, I very quickly knew that, but that was really, when I look back on it now, it was a really, really painful time. Very, very a sort of um, torturous time, really, for three years I was in London. And uh, I look back on it now and see it as the beginning of my, really, an initiation, I suppose. Okay. Yeah, it was around the time of the harmonic, the first harmonic convergence. Well, absolutely right. Yeah. I never really thought of it that way, but it was. It was basically 87 that I got. It was 87, I left, not 86. 87, which was the year that I went back to London, got married, and immediately fell into this, um, you know, sort of malaise, as it were. But I came back to Australia in 1990. And uh, so mm -hmm. that was the true start. When I got back here, I suppose it was really the repercussions from the emotional upheaval that I'd been through. I got sick and I got uh, sort of chronic fatigue syndrome. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just knew instinctively at that time that this was not something that would be healed in a physical sense. It went much deeper than that. Mm -hmm. So I knew that I would have to go inside and start to explore my spirituality again, because what had happened, Karen, was that when I was at university in my last year at university, just before I was doing my final exams, I had this experience. I came from a very religious family, very mm -hmm. Catholic family. Mm -hmm. And so I was always deeply spiritual, you know, that was just the way I was brought up, you know, and so prayer and spirituality were just part of who I was really. Um, but I had this experience where all this energy was coming through me and this language and my body was moving and I just freaked me out quite honestly. I didn't know what was going on. Is this when you were younger? Like, like when a, I was, yeah, when I was at university, my right. final years, mm -hmm. before I came to Australia, you know, before I went to, into acting as a professional actress, all mm -hmm. of that. So it sort of just freaked me out and I closed down my spirituality completely. I just right. put a shutter down and uh, thought I can't deal with that right now. Mm -hmm. And I thought nobody's going to understand what it is. They're going to think I'm, you know, Crazy. off my rocker or mm -hmm. possessed by the devil or something. Mm -hmm. So I just filed it away. Mm -hmm. So then it was in 1990 when I got this illness and I knew that I was going to have to start delving in again, that I was going to have to open up my spiritual self again. And that's when it happened. So mm. I started to do meditation. I did transcendental meditation and I started on this path, you know, spiritual healing, crystal healing, kinesiology, you know, all of these courses that I started to do. And when I'd be in meditation, these sounds started to come through again and these melodies. And I thought, okay, I'm just going to let them 
come because obviously if they're happening in this setting and also was the energy that was coming through with them the energy was so loving and so pure and to this day still when i'm channeling tears will stream down my face because it's just a feeling of utter unconditional love mm. so i knew that this um whatever it was this thing was coming a gift really to help me heal myself mm. so um that process went on for a full 10 years and wow. i would call it there were moments of terrific things but it was also very much a dark night of the soul for me because mm -hmm. i had to question everything that mm -hmm. i you know been brought up with i questioned all of the sort of, and I suppose the reason I'd shut down my spirituality was because some of the dogma uh, mm. that I'd grown up with just, it just didn't ring true anymore. It didn't fit with me. It didn't fit anymore. So yeah. at that stage, I just closed it all down. But now I had to confront it. I had to face it. And I had to yep. really um, examine everything. And, you know, when you come from the sort of background that I did, that's very confronting because it's tied in with who you are it's tied in with your family. And so, you know, if you reject Catholicism, you're rejecting your family. Your family. I know. So it's very, very, um, it's very challenging. But anyway, I went through that. And by, interestingly, through that whole time, I had nobody ever worked on me with sound. Really? So never, I'd never heard the word toning. This was way back in 1990. And you know, nobody... Where were you living at the time? Were you in Sydney? Sydney. Were you, you in were Sydney. in Sydney. Wow. Yeah. So I was in Sydney and I had, well, maybe people were doing it, but yeah. I, it just, I, I'm But very, how did you find them? Like now we have the internet. Now people are going through the same experience that you went through, but they've got the internet to find people. But back then we didn't that's right. have that. Yeah. So um, I really just, it was, I suppose intuition and following my nose, really, I found these various beautiful um, people who were, you know, holding various courses and stuff. And one thing led to another. I was a voracious reader of, you know, everything that I could get yeah. my hands on. Yeah. And uh, I'm very grateful now, really, that um, I didn't experience anybody working with me um, in sound or at that stage, nobody was doing light language. I mean, that's a relatively recent phenomenon, really. Um, you know, now you see people on YouTube or whatever and on Facebook talking about, you know, writing light language or singing light language or, or whatever. But at that time, I was really um, stepping out as a pioneer, I think. Um, there was nobody really doing it that I had come across. So um, in the last few years of that 10 years, I realized that these sounds were going to be used for other people as well. So I... You know what I think though, Leah, I, I was listening to this priest. What was he talking about? Uh, he, he was controversial. He had some interesting things to say, but um, he was talking about speaking in tongues. And I really believe yes. that the light language was coming through, but it was being... Um, you know, captured by the religious dogma and then it was sort of labelled speaking in tongues and 
um, you know, people that speak in tongues had exactly the same experience. They couldn't deny it because of the energy and the frequency that came with it. It felt so amazing. And then other people look at them and say, oh, possessed by the devil. And, and, then, the, and then this whole sort of movement of speaking in tongues kind of grew. And it's probably the same thing, I would say. What do you uh, think? Absolutely. And I think very possibly that's what triggered my um, channel because, um, excuse me, my uh, family were involved in the charismatic renewal uh, okay. at that time when I was at university and there was a lot of prayer meetings and things like that. So it was, it was a very active kind of spirituality. And uh, so, so yes, I think under that, under that banner, definitely it was going on, but I suppose uh, in the sort of the healing industry on that healing arena, it mm. didn't uh, it didn't sort of appear as a modality. And yeah. That's, yeah. So um, so when I was sort of told to get out and and do it, I was kind of oh, wow, what am I going to call myself? You know. <laughs> yes. and, um, so it was interesting. The, just before I did, you know, take my courage in my hands, as it were, and uh, you know, get a business card done and all of that, I. I, in a meditation one day, I said, you know, okay, tell me, what is this language? And um, I saw this huge pear-shaped diamond dropped into my third eye. And the message came that this was the language of Sirius. It was the language from before language began. It was the root of all language. And uh, they told me that the healing was to be known or the work that I was going to do was to be known as diamond healing with the sounds of Sirius. So that's why behind you there, you've got the diamond light meditations. Yeah. So the diamond, I basically, I called it healing with the sounds of Sirius and I used the diamond as a graphic. So, um, and it was interesting when I was working on people then, uh, I used to have people come on a one-to-one -one basis which is where I met David, who is our mutual friend. Yeah. And uh, sometimes I'd literally be lasering, this diamond would be lasering into people as I worked on them wherever, you know, needed the energy. And this, uh, this diamond laser energy would be used, it was used as a tool, basically. So, wow. And it was interesting when, because uh, in Sydney, obviously, with so many different nationalities, I... I got a range of people coming all with, you know, with different mother tongues. And I was fascinated, you know, when they'd say, you know, I recognized, you know, words in Japanese or Italian or, you know, so German. So people were actually recognizing words from their own mother tongue that came yeah. through. So that kind of verified for me that it was actually the root of all language. It was the language. I came to see it as the language of the soul. Basically. Yeah. 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 Wow, it's fascinating. Uh, yeah, I know. And I, when you listen to it, depends who you listen to. There's, um, I had this woman on the show, this beautiful lady, uh, Valentea Reese, and she, um, she's a multi-galactic linguist. So only a few years ago did she wake up. She was in the corporate world and this, this stuff started pouring through her. But, you know, unlike you, she could Google it and, and, um, yeah. and she could find other people. Actually, somebody took her to see somebody else that was speaking it. And uh, she instantly recognized it. But she says that there's many different, um, you know, races, different frequencies, different, yes. different ones. And, um, but everyone says that when they listen to it, that they do hear, you know, French and German and Italian mm -hmm. and all these, you know, mm -hmm. Russian and all these different 
uh, words or or sounds they sound similar to these all these languages well since that time of course you know obviously that's that's exactly 30 years ago when that process started for me it was 1990 but uh, in more recent years in particular um you know from being that what i thought i was bringing through one language uh now it is absolutely multiple language and multiple streams of consciousness i believe mm. uh so it's i think as i expand and i you know sort of lose more and more of my own baggage and i and my vibration is raised with the work that i'm doing on myself which is a continual and ongoing process so the more my frequency is raised and the more my consciousness is expanded the more room there is for higher and higher frequencies and different frequencies to come through yeah so in a sense that is my goal for myself is to keep my frequency as high as possible so that um i i see myself now as a receiver and a transmitter so i'm a vehicle i'm a conduit so i believe um you know there are many benevolent beings on the other side of the veil who are wanting to assist us at this time right. and i'm a conduit for them as it were for them to bring their frequencies through onto the earth plane mm -hmm. and as as more people awaken and hold that frequency it make it makes more of that frequency uh, available you know more can can be downloaded as um, as the frequencies change you know uh, many people have said that where our planet is being hit by light frequency some have called it feminine energy some have called it light frequency but also as people hold that own their own frequency as they shift and awaken it just allows more and more and more of it to come through more ex i mean more amazing things to happen more yeah amazing things to happen yeah, yeah. i think I, mean, i think that's where we all are as light workers you know what whatever we are doing uh, in my case i i you know i've come to understand that my mission is with these sounds is to activate to awaken to heal all of those things to help people just wake up and then to also raise their frequency and with other light workers it's become quite obvious that what it does is it catapults them to the next level of their their own gifts but i think as a collective of light workers what we are doing is we are trying to raise the consciousness of humanity you know that's our job at the moment so that we can um particularly at this time you know where everything we're really witnessing the complete disintegration almost of all the old systems the yeah. old paradigm literally before our eyes absolutely standing on this kind of precipice literally you know are we going to fall over into complete darkness mm. or are we going to you know shift up into this you know brand new um elevated frequency and that's where we are really uh you know being called to step up our work at this stage to try and make sure that that's the side we air, we we fall on absolutely yeah you know i want to talk about the crystal skulls but you're living up in cairns which is northern queensland well not at the very top but almost, but, uh, almost. <laughs> it's, it's hot up there it's very hot up there 
And unbelievably synchronicity, I, for people that follow me on Facebook, you'll have seen that my daughter was um, bitten by a shark and just outside of Cairns and she's been in Cairns Hospital. And Leah so beautifully went to, um, she couldn't see her because she was sleeping and in pain, but you met my ex-husband and delivered a beautiful teddy bear, which she absolutely <laughs> adores. So and, a message, and a message from mum. And it was so beautiful. I was so overwhelmed at your um, gesture of love and kindness and, uh, you know, and love really. But what took you to Cairns, like from Sydney to Cairns? That's a bit of a shift. That's a big move. Well, you know, it's like everything on my journey, really. It just kind of happened. There was no pre-planning. And uh, myself and my husband, who um, uh, I've been with for the last 30 years, we've been, uh, we'll be married 30 years next year. Um, wow. Yeah. So uh, I came back to be with him, actually, to Australia. We had met uh, when I actually the first year I arrived out here. He cast me in a Bailey's Irish Cream commercial. <laughs> As the bride, believe it. How, how ironic in an Irish, an Irish, oh, no. an Irish cream commercial. That's hilarious. Anyway, but... Um, Anyway, we came up here. We came up for a holiday just for a couple of weeks. And uh, at that stage, Jim was thinking, you know, kind of winding down from advertising. He had an advertising agency. And uh, we're kind of thinking, will we stay in Sydney? It was, Sydney was getting kind of busy at that stage. <laughs> Nothing like what it is now, mind you. But, uh, and then we were kind of here and we thought, maybe we'll come up here. So he's been coming up for years and years, literally since the 70s. He's been coming to Cairns every year to go fishing. And uh, so it was a familiar place. We knew it. And so so at that time, we found a place that we liked. And so for the next year, we sort of went back up and down, you know, spent six weeks here, you know, went back to Sydney. And then we had to make a decision. So we thought, yeah, let's do it. So it was just a... A sort of uh, a bit of a a whim. Just yeah, happened, really. You don't find it too hot up there in summer. It's pretty awful in summer. <laughs> it's pretty. It's really humid. I mean, it, it's. Um, but you know, I you acclimatize it now. It's sort of uh, 16, 17 degrees at nighttime here, and it feels freezing. You know, it's wow. like yeah. So your blood thins, and uh, so a twenty-six or twenty-seven degree day just feels nice and warm. You know, yeah. Much. So yeah, I couldn't imagine living in the cold. Oh, I know, especially heat and cold, especially back in Ireland. Okay, <laughs> what about <laughs> cold? Uh, what about these crystal skulls? Let's look into them. What are what's happening with the crystal skulls? So many people talk about them and. How did they find you? Well, they found me in, again, a most unexpected way. Um, It was 2006. I heard about this tour to Mexico, this woman, Patricia Corey, um, who is also a Syrian uh, starseed person, was going to do, I'm not even sure how I found out about it, but we got in, we came in contact. I, or maybe I just, I got in contact with her for some reason. She said, I'm doing this trip to Mexico. You know, I'd love you to come. So, um, there was just that deep intuition, this deep knowing I have to do this. I didn't know why I was having to do it, but I just knew that I had to go. So I thought, okay. 
So I went uh, to the Yucatan with Patricia Corey, and it was there that I came in contact with my first crystal skull. And I should say that the, uh, the Mayan people, if you go to some of the temples like Chichen Itza, Palenque, in Palenque, for example, there's a whole, there's a temple called the Temple of the Skulls. So there's just skulls all over the temple. In Chichen Itza, there's a whole wall of just lines and lines of skulls. Now, the sort of modern day interpretation of this is that, um, you know, oh, this was human sacrifice. Mm. But in fact, that is a complete furphy. It's a mm. complete distraction. The Mayans actually saw the skull, our, basically our human skull, which was represented by the crystal skull, as um, it was a representation of, I suppose, the decapitation of the ego. So these temple sites like Chichen Itza, Palenque, Uxmal, they were actually spiritual universities. So Chichen Itza is the University of the Divine Masculine, Ushmal is the University of the Divine Feminine, and then Palenque is a very, very high-level temple. So the initiates would go to each of these temples and they would learn what they were supposed to learn there. And part of that was about going through the various levels of consciousness, conquering the ego. There, for example, in Chichen Itza, there's a, on, uh, carved into the wall on the ball court, is this skull with seven serpents coming out of it. Mm -hmm. So the seven serpents represent the seven levels of consciousness. Mm. So basically what the crystal skulls represent for them or represented for the Maya was the elevation of consciousness and the, I suppose, the teaching that we were in the process of becoming the crystal heads ourselves as we um, conquer the ego and the, or sorry, the lower ego, of course we need our ego, but as we mm -hmm. conquer the lower levels of the ego, then we raise our consciousness and we become the crystal head where we can receive the um, messages from source. But this, um, this meeting I had with this crystal skull in Palenque, which is this amazing place i mean just it's like a parallel universe it's just wow. incredible um <clears throat> when i first held that crystal skull it was a young mayan shaman who had uh you know came to be with our group in the evening and i walked into the room and literally i didn't even see the skull initially but i walked into the room and I immediately went into an altered state of consciousness mm -hmm. i then was you know brought up shown this skull which was on a table and I was allowed to hold the skull and oh my goodness the energy that pulsed through my body and the expansion of my heart and the feeling of overwhelming unconditional love I felt I, I was just in awe I just I couldn't believe what was happening to me so then later that evening the group um, sat around this skull in a circle and our, uh, you know, Mayan teacher, Michal Ankel, um, started to lead us in this Mayan chant. So we were all chanting, and, and as luck would have it, I was sitting directly in front of the skull. It was facing me. So as this chanting continued, my chant turned to channel, and I just felt this, like, kundalini waterfall of energy just pour up through my body and out my mouth and I saw it just pouring into the head of the skull 
And it was my whole body was just vibrating and just um, consumed with this incredible energy. And I knew in that instant, without knowing anything whatsoever about crystal skulls, I knew that what had happened was that the sound that was coming through me had gone into the skull, it had activated the skull, and then the skull was activating everybody in the circle. Whoa. So that was my initiation into the crystal skulls. And I can tell you, it changed my life forever. It, I, you know, well, that journey and everything I learned in that journey, seeing all these incredible teachings on the walls of the Mayan temples, the incredibly sophisticated culture that had created those, the knowledge that in one place in Palenque under the sacred tree where we did ceremony, that it said that literally a whole tribe of the Maya literally ascended in body. Yeah. It was like a dimensional doorway. Mm -hmm. And so I came home and I'd never experienced anything like it before or since, but for about three months, I was just literally there were days and I didn't know what was going on in my head. I was trying to, get a handle on why a lump of crystal shaped in the form of a skull could have this effect on me, mm. how it could change my whole reality, how it could change my life, how it could produce this energy within me. And uh, I then realized that I needed to share this energy with other people. So I started, I had got my own little crystal skull on that, um, my very first crystal skull on that trip. And so I started to do events and to allow people to experience the energy of the crystal skulls. And they, it was just incredible. Um, what people experienced from my little crystal skull and of, you know, me sharing my story about what happened and people were just being activated left, right, and center. It was amazing. But since that, the skulls have led me on all sorts of adventures, as they do. Most people who come in contact with crystal skulls find that they just take them on adventures all over the world, basically. Well, I know I've heard so many people talk about, uh, I've talked about them and, and how powerful they are. And they're so much more powerful than a, a, a crystal that's not a skull. And um, it's funny that you say, how could this lump of crystal shape like a skull be so powerful? I'm sure many people think like that. Like, what is it with these lump of crystals? Check. Yeah. Um, who carves them? Who makes them like a skull? Well, that's the thing. There are, I should say, first of all, to explain a little bit, the, the crystal skulls are a mystery. Nobody really knows exactly in a sense, there are ancient crystal skulls. Uh -huh. there are, there, there's a story that is in many indigenous cultures about 13 crystal skulls. So, you know, the Native Americans have it, the Mayans have it, and, you know, other cultures have this story about 13 crystal skulls that were placed on the earth and that the ancient ones some people say they are star beings, star beings. place mm. their knowledge. Some people say they're star beings. Some people say they're human ancestors. Mm. They place their knowledge inside these skulls. And that a time when humanity was ready, when the consciousness of humanity reached a certain level, mm. that these crystal skulls would be found. And when the 13 of them came together, they would share their knowledge with humanity. And that would bring us into a new golden age of peace and harmony. Mm. 
So, uh, some people say the, these crystal skulls, they describe them like the computers of the ancients. Mm-hmm. So that they're stacked full of this knowledge. Yeah. And there've been many, many extraordinary experiences that people have and phenomenal things that have happened around crystal skulls. What I myself have come to personally understand is that they are guardians of light. They are teachers, they're healers. They reflect back to us. Sometimes I've been working with a crystal skull. There was one time in particular and I was working with this particular crystal skull and I looked in the, another, oh my God, you're me. I'm you, you're me. So they're reflecting back to us ourselves. They're reflecting back to us the divinity, the spark of divinity that is within us, the purity of source connection. And they are basically preparing us and guiding us through this transition. So now there have been some what are considered ancient skulls that are found. The most famous one is the Mitchell Hedges crystal skull. And uh, it's held by a guardian now in a custodian in America. And there have been amazing things, stuff found inside the skull, you know, pieces of history, World War Three, whatever, you know, it's just been amazing things. And people, it, people who meet the skull, their life is transformed. Um, so the Mitchell Hedger skull was examined by the Smithsonian and there've been all sorts of experiments and tests done. They can't find any tool marks on the skull. Mm. So some of these ancient skulls look as if they are not carved by human hand. Yeah. So those are the ancient ones. Now there are modern crystal skulls like the ones I've got. Um, I have one extremely powerful crystal skull in my care that came to me after a a huge series of initiations. I was, I would say, reunited with the skull because I believe we're soul partners. Mm -hmm. His name is the Master Skull Solar. And Solar is... (laughs) Have you got him there? I have him here. He's 33 kilos. <laughs> so you can't I can't him lift him, I'm afraid. <laughs> but I can send you a photograph of him. Okay. And uh, so he's, uh, he's very, very powerful. Solar, he, he has been out in public a number of times and extraordinary phenomena have appeared around him. Um, the very first time we met in Manchester and, you know, it was amazing how that happened. Solar was carved by uh, a man called Leandro D'Souza, who's considered to be the foremost crystal skull carver in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I have another crystal skull by Leandro, which is this one here. Whoops. This one is eight kilos. She's another very, very important skull called Teana. So what Leandro does very often is he leaves the the skull in as natural a state as possible. Now she does look a bit weird probably to most people. And that's because a lot of crystal skulls are, you know, literally more um, human skull-like, like for example, this one this little beauty so a lot of crystal skulls are more in this sort of traditional human skull like form 
But what Leandro does is he likes to leave the stone speaks to him, basically. And uh, as he said once, he doesn't know why he's been chosen to do this work. But, um, you know, he basically will get it. He'll see a lump of stone and then eventually he might have it. There was one skull, which I have another major skull of his as well. It's like 30 kilos. Um, and uh, he told me the story that one day he had this piece of crystal from the Diamantina mine in Brazil, which is an extraordinary, uh, it's a very different type of crystal, which um, um, Tiana is carved from as well. It's not like a normal quartz. Um, he'd had this rock for like 10 years and he walked past it one day and it said, okay, it's time. I want to come out. So basically then he carved the skull and uh, so, uh, and then he told me this other story. He had carved the skull and it was sitting there for a long time and he passed it. And uh, he suddenly started to cry. Aww. And and he said, who are you? Who are you? And he actually contacted me at that stage. And this is how he ended up with the skull. He said, can you tell me who is she? Who, who is this? Who is this? And I got, which was unusual the first time it happened, I got this like automatic writing and I wrote this thing. I am Elita, singer of the songs. Oh. I have come from Eurosnos, planet of the void. I was here at the seeding of the earth and it went on like this. This whole message came through about this skull who actually was here at the time of what well, not when you say he carved the skull but what happens i believe now is that there's a being a light being that enters the skull so it is the vessel for these light beings mm. so tayama is the vessel for a light being from another dimension to come to us to give us help and assistance at this time. Mm. I met Solar in Manchester. Um, I knew immediately that he had come to assist the earth at this time and somebody else verified that and they said, he has come from a very, very, very long way away. He has never, ever come to the earth plane before. He has never mm. come in this form before. And I've actually been told since as well, someone at Clairvoyant said that when when I die, Solar will just shatter. He won't go to wow. anybody else. He will just, he will shatter. So um, with Solar, um, when I, the first time I worked with him, it was two days after I got him and I'd met this woman on the way through to Manchester in San Francisco. Again, one of these incredible meetings of light workers. I met her, we just gelled like that. And she said, she said, if you're coming through again, contact me when you were coming through San Francisco. In the meantime, I went to Mount Shasta, met Solar in this incredible event that happened. And uh, so I was in uh, San Francisco and she said, I want to take you down to Santa Cruz. My friend uh, there and I have created this Andara crystal circle. It's like a spiral. So these Andara crystals, these are new crystals that have been found relatively recently, maybe in the last decade or 15 years or something like that. They're like vol volcanic glass. They're all different colors. And so um, with great difficulty, 
we got Salar, he was 33 kilos. We got him into a suitcase and somehow managed to get him into the car and get him down there and had this extraordinary day. But Laura took some photographs of him that day, of himself and myself working. And oh my goodness, one of them had this picture of Saint Germain inside his head. Now he'd come from Mount Shasta, where Saint Germain is basically that's his presence is in Manchester because that's one of those places where the doorway between worlds is very thin. Mm. And, uh, so his energy is, you know, sort of known to be there. So he had this what looked like Saint Germain inside, and then there was this other photograph. And he had human eyes. It was like he was looking out with these human eyes. Wow. So that was the first thing alerted me really, okay, this is for real. What I felt in Manchester was no joke. This is, he's really something. And then since that events that I've done, um, a lot of photographs show the two was sort of, it's almost like we're bleeding into another dimension. Mm. It's like we're disappearing. Uh, or there are golden light codes coming down in front. And very often he appears with a violet flame around him, all mm -hmm. this violet energy around him. So he is, I would say, a dimensional doorway. Mm. He actually, another clairvoyant who just hadn't met him personally, saw a picture and she said, oh my God, there's so that. I'm just burning up just even looking at him, which is an effect that he has on people. He's called solar, which is, of course, is the sun. Yeah. His energy can literally, it burns people up. It's so powerful. And uh, so she did a meditation with him and uh, she said that there are 12 ascended councils that are working through him. So, you know, angelic councils, you know, elemental councils, the great white brotherhood of light, all, there are, all these councils are working through him. So they are using him to access and allowing us to access them. So it sounds freaky, I know, but... Uh, oh, it doesn't. It sounds unbelievable. As you're talking, I'm yakking away to my guides the whole time, asking them all these questions. And they're telling me all this stuff. Um, uh, you know, they're saying everything is energy and information. You, you've got to understand that consciousness can flow through everything. It can flow through a human being. It can flow through a mountain. It can flow through a rocket. It can actually even th flow through um, a car or a boat or, you know, inanimate objects. There's nothing that consciousness can't flow through because I'm thinking there's a being in the crystal and then they're, they're telling me about this. And, um, and they're saying, you know, they're all just light beings and crystal, really easy for light beings to anchor their presence here in this dimension because of the crystalline structure of the crystal. It's really easy for consciousness to uh, engage in that structure. And um, I'm also asking them about, uh, you know, they've been programmed like you can program a computer. They're giving me all these analogies, which I'm just sharing with people that are watching, uh, listening, uh, that... Um, it, it, I've heard that the oceans also hold the history of the whole planet. They are like a library of information. And, and they're saying that the crystal is just like a crystalline structure of um, the ocean that holds the information, the knowledge of the history of the planet. So one of the questions I asked is why do we need a, um, why do we need the information in a crystal when we can just go to source and they say, well, libraries, you know, the information has to be stored somewhere. <laughs> I'm like, okay, you know, 
it's like a like you're all these books behind you it's like a library of information of the information of this planet particularly this planet. that makes absolute sense and i think that's absolutely true and i think crystal is uh, perfect for that because you know crystal itself is an energetic material it emits energy, you know, Absolutely. the electrical effect. So, and it also amplifies. Amplifies. You know, amplifies. this is crystal, which is known to amplify. Solar is actually, he's a Lemurian crystal. So he's even kind of more special. And he's also got um, rutilated. He's got golden rutile inside him. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, the crystal is an amplifying material. Yeah. This is why we were, this is why I'm covered in crystals because I just, <laughs> you know, it just amplifies the like crystals. I've got a few crystals sitting here. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I've got a couple of crystals on my <laughs> But, you know, it's different things for different people, you know, but just for me, I just, uh, you know, I, again, I knew nothing about crystals, you know. Oh, you've got lovely ones there too. Yeah, there's a few here that sit by me while I do this. Um, what was I going to say? What was something else I was going to say? Oh, I've lost it now. Um, uh, yeah, we've lost it. It'll come back to me. Uh, they just... become like your family, Karen. You know, it's amazing. And people would think I'm completely mad, but, you know, I talk to them. I, you know, they become friends. So now I don't even, with Solar, uh, you know, it's almost, you don't even need them with you because he's now part of me, you know, it, his energy is so merged with mine that, uh, you know, uh, he's just, he's just part of my, who I am in a way, you know? Yeah. Well, I'm thinking there you are up there in cans holding this light and these, and these beings live there and they must be kind of showering Australia with this energy. There's just no, um, you know, coincidence that you're up in Cairns. And what's even more absolutely bizarre is that my daughter happens to be up there and we had planned to have this conversation long before, you know, the synchronicity of this whole situation, you know, long before uh, she was, you know, I, I knew she was going to Cairns, but it didn't compute, you know, when David introduced me to you and, and then we set this date and then this happened and you're in Cairns. Like this, the, the infinite orchestrating power of the universe it's just mind-boggling isn't it it How... is mind-blowing and, and that's why i find this journey so exciting so and and people say to me aren't you worried aren't you worried um but she's physically injured but this is not what's happening to her because the physical injury is just a, a symptom of the expansion of her consciousness and the training of her focus and so what's happening is that she is not doing well on the pain-killing drugs like most empathic light workers that are here uh, allopathic drugs don't really gel and so she's having a time of it trying to um, cope with the pain and because the allopathic drugs are making her sick she's had to focus her mind and it is like this training ground for, of focus because that's you know that's what we're all doing here we're learning you know raising our consciousness is learning how to focus our frequency and flow our energy and focus our mind and um, as human beings we've been so focused on judgment and criticism and you know like <laughs> it's making the other wrong instead of uh being focused on love and light and so i guess that these beings are coming to teach us that they're teaching us about 
how to flow our energy and focus our minds and um, and be a channel for higher frequencies or more um, yeah higher frequencies I suppose yes I think that is absolutely right and it's interesting you say um, about her being up here and how when I found myself up here as well I remember in the first couple of years thinking why am I here and the answer I got was I felt that I was called here or that we were called here because this was part of the ancient Lemuria. Right. And so the earth energy around here, the ocean energy, we're on the doorstep of the Great Barrier Reef, the Daintree Rainforest, the oldest yeah. living rainforest in the world, mm -hmm. the mountains. I lived in Port Douglas for the first six years that I came up here and the mountains there in Mossman, they are filled with crystal. I mean, literally, you just find the crystal lying on the top of the ground on Clifton Beach a few months ago. I was out on the beach. There's just quartz crystal all over the beach. Wow. So the place is a very, very high energy place. Yeah. And it's interesting because a lot of my work now is kind of done under the radar from here. Yeah. And I'm, I mean, I'm sitting here in this crystal vortex, basically. I, have, I was thinking yesterday... <laughs> There must be about a hundred kilos of crystal in this room, in this room alone. So what I found is that my work with the crystal skulls has led me to go on these journeys to many of the power points of the world, you know, um, including Uluru um, here in Australia, but to other places as well. And what I've become more and more aware of is that what I'm doing now is I'm working with the, the crystalline grid of the earth. And I think this is why the whole crystal thing has come to me and why the crystal skulls have come to me. So okay. I bring my crystal skulls, you know, Tayana has been to Uluru, she's been to Ireland, she's been to Mount Shasta, she's been to Arizona. So, and where I got her. And so it's, my work with the crystal skulls is also um, very much involved in this work with the earth and with the grids of the earth and with the, I believe, the reactivation of these power points. So there are many light workers working in this way who are earth walking and who are working with the sites. So I feel the sites that I'm drawn to in my particular mission. And I, I, I suppose now I really have come to see what I'm doing as a mission that I've been put here on this earth to do this work. So when I go to these um, PowerPoints, I understand that the sound that is coming through me, I'm the conduit to activate the site again so that the site can become, come back into its full vibration. You know, I think a lot of these sites have been dormant you know, and now in this time of transition, they're all lighting up again. Mm. I've had this, um, you know, over the years also an experience where I've had to activate three etheric crystals. And the information that came to me there was that at the time of Atlantis, at the fall of Atlantis, a lot of these major master crystals in the grid were shut down. Mm -hmm. um, because of the misuse of the power that, you know, they, they, I suppose the benevolent beings there wanted to make sure who were looking after the cosmos wanted to make sure that these, this earth was not um, destroyed, I suppose, mm. or that these crystals weren't manipulated. But um, three of these crystals, one was in the Orcas Island, one was in Sydney mm. 
and one was in Ireland. Wow. These were, these etheric crystals were activated again. So I think there's a lot of stuff going on at the moment um, that the mainstream are not seeing. Oh, completely unaware of. Absolutely, completely unaware of. I love that you called your latest album Invisible Light. You know, the last um, person I had on the show, beautiful Sue Walker, who was talking about a group of ETs that live in the Sandia Mountain in um, Albuquerque, New Mexico, uh, introduced me to a guy called Daryl, who I'll have on the show, who, who takes photographs of orbs. And I was just saying at the end of the show that as our technology becomes more and more advanced, it actually has the ability to capture this invisible light, you know, and he's captured these, this, when you were talking about the purple light, you know, in, in ceremony, people outside in ceremony, this is purple light covering them and shafts of light coming. He's starting to capture this invisible light with the cameras. It's so exciting that we're, that we're able to kind of see it through our physical eyes through this technology. I think that as we raise our frequency and vibration, uh, that subtle energy will become more apparent to our physical senses or our physical senses will expand to be able to include seeing that invisible light, if you like. But um, yes, absolutely. I mean, I think it's, it's really confirming for us when we, see something you know so all of these experiences that we're having in our own kind of you know shamanic journeys or whatever um that feels so real and we having visions and we're seeing things happen when you have that evidence in front of you you know of these incredible light structures that have been captured by camera i have to tell you one thing <laughs> which was amazing that happened to me which is evidence of these other worlds. And it just changed my perspective on reality. Um, it, when you spoke about New Mexico, it brought it to mind. I was um, on one of these sacred journeys that took me to New Mexico. And uh, myself and two friends went to uh, Chaco Canyon. Now, Chaco Canyon is an extraordinary um, ceremonial site for the Native American Indians. They came, but it, not just for one tribe, it was for like all the different tribes. They would come here. This was almost like um, one friend of mine who volunteers there during the summer described it as sort of like the United Nations of the mm. American, the Pueblo peoples. Mm, and so um, they came for us. There were Toucan feathers have been found there as well. So they even came from as far as Mexico. So the Mayans probably came as well. But this site is, uh, it's really pristine. There are a lot of intact ruins on the site. So there's, you know, you can really see what went on there. And it's a vast ceremonial place. But uh, you go there and you've got to take everything with you, your water and your food and everything. There's nowhere to stay. So you have to camp. So we were there for, I think, three or four days. And on the last day, we'd had some incredible experiences. But on the last day, we decided, okay, our one last thing to do would be to go to this kiva. Now, the kiva, uh, they're sort of underground. They're, well, they're in the ground. They're almost like deep holes. But they went into the kivas um, to do ceremony. So you're kind of looking down into them. So this kiva... Casa Rinconata, I think it was called. Yeah. We decided this would be our last sort of farewell to Chaco Canyon. So anyway, we're driving up to the sort of car park area because it is quite a vast site. So we're 
driving up to this area. And I got this, it was like a flood of energy came into my body as we just arrived at the car park and I just started to spontaneously channel. Uh, my channel is, you know, I can sort of, if I feel it coming, I can hold it back if I want to, generally speaking. But this was like, no way. It was just yeah. Yeah. So, and I looked up in front of me and I saw this cliff in front of me and it was just skull, 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 all these skull faces in the cliff face. Mm. And then out of me in English came something like... Um, this is the place of the skulls. Be aware of the spiral energy, something like that. So my anyway, crown, my crown is activating. It's all tingly. Really? <laughs> right. So we make our way up to the, um, the Kiva. I'm channeling the whole way. We get up to this thing. It's a very, very big Kiva. I go off onto this sort of northern antechamber. It's sort of got a walled thing there. And Stephanie, my friend, goes directly opposite me. Jill goes off down somewhere else to do her own thing. And as soon as I stepped in there with my, um, with my crystal skulls, I put those on the ground. And then they said, you need to go back out again and circle clockwise and anti-clockwise, which I did three times each way. Came back into the little antechamber thing with my skulls on the ground. I had three skulls that had been, uh, I'd been told to take with me. And I was kind of intrigued because these were not skulls that I would normally have taken with me. But okay, they say they wanted to come. So, okay, those are the ones I took. And so then I went into this ceremonial sort of, well, ceremony, which is very dynamic. My body was making all these sorts of movements. It was my hands were spiraling clockwise and anti-clockwise. My body was going into all these different shapes. And it was, I was quite specifically doing something energetically and it felt like I was opening up some sort of portal. Mm. So anyway, this went on for some time and it was quite demanding physically. It was very energetic. So the end of that, again, circle the Kiva three times each way. And then Stephanie and I went out to the back of this antechamber place that I'd been. And we looked straight across this vast cavern across and we realized that it was exactly we were looking to where we'd been in the morning at this shaman's chair where we'd had this other incredible encounter. And that sort of sparked the energy again. We went into another ceremony and then it came to a close. Jill, just by chance, came back up as we were finishing. And we were just saying, you know, isn't it amazing how we have this whole place all to ourselves and how spirit, you know, when work needs to be done, somehow the space is made and we just get the place all to ourselves. So we were very grateful. We thought this is our farewell to Shaco. How amazing. And I said, I'll just go and get my crystal skulls. I went back into the antechamber and I looked on the ground. The skulls were gone. Really? I had just dematerialized. Wow. Three skulls, about five kilos worth of crystal. And they had just gone. So we were completely and utterly shocked. But on the one level, I wasn't. Mm. Because I knew that what had just happened, and we'd been working with the spiral energy. Oh, that's right. During that ceremony, they again in English came out of me. Remember the spiral energy. 
this is a dimensional doorway or something like that. Remember the spiral energy. And so anyway, we went off to, in shock, we went off to the visitor center and uh, trying to figure out what has just happened. And then Jill said, Leah, they want you to go back. They want you to go back there again. So I thought, okay, we'll go back. I went back, stood in the same place. And then the skulls came in, in a formation, one on top, like in this pyramid formation in the ethers, one on top and one at either side. And they said to me, um, we were not taken by human hand. We've gone through the doorway. Uh, our work here was complete, but we will remain with you and know that you too can walk through the door at any time. Oh, I'm all tingly. Oh, all tingly. <laughs> it was amazing. But then, you know, it made sense because this was like the most important ceremonial site for the Native American people. Yeah. There have been, you know, it's been said that there were Native American tribes that literally disappeared. You know, wow, just you think they went through dimensional doorways. I think they went through. Mm. I think this is one of the places mm. that they went through the doorway. Mm. I have, in fact, I've got no doubt about it. I believe this was a dimensional doorway, just like Palenque in Mexico, mm -hmm. that other place that I mentioned under the sacred tree. Mm -hmm. Believe the Maya just descended in body. So you think about Christ's ascension. You know about Christ descending in body. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not as far fetched, perhaps. As it's it not be. when you understand physics it's it's it doesn't it, you know it doesn't sound crazy at all it, it physics explains all of it i mean the new physics anyway and uh there's a scene in the um what's it called that book what's his name redfield me and names uh the something code no what's that no not the da vinci code uh, james redhill what's that book that he oh wrote? yeah yes i know what you're talking about yeah um Yes, I've probably got it there somewhere. There's a yeah. scene, they made a movie of that book, and there's a scene where yes, they, I know what you mean. They, they go to, they're being chased, you know, being chased do, 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 through the jungle, and these people go to this portal, this site, I don't know if there's a crystal there, I can't remember, and they just stand there and their frequency changes, and when the police or whoever it is that is chasing them come to the site, to them they're invisible, they don't see them, although they're standing there, and they can all see each other, the humans, the other humans, they yes. can't see them because they, they're, they're vibrating, they're vibrating into yeah. different people. And so they're not inside the visual spectrum that the That's human, right. and I was thinking, yeah, you know, I remember watching that years ago and thinking, yeah, that's right. You know, we all this stuff is around us, but it just vibrates at a different frequency that our visual spectrum doesn't pick up our eyes, the cones and rods in our eyes, but it's all there like spirit and, um, all sorts of you know beings, galactic beings, and the Fae, you know, the Sasquatch, all all of them. They're all there. It's just that we don't see them through our eyes, but they just vibrate at a different frequency. Makes perfect sense to me, really. It does. I mean, I mean, you know, you're talking about. I mean, my whole. I've been on a journey, an eight-year journey with the Irish fairy folk, the She, which is how that album, Song of the She, came into being, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that's a case in point. I mean, the she basically were the Tour de Danon, who were, you know, one of the, uh, they were called sky gods. And I, oh. amazing, you know how the pieces of the jigsaw just fall into place. Mm -hmm. They got another piece of information 
this week only in the last week. And I went, oh my God, of course. I've been working with the Shi, who are the Irish fairy folk, right? As I said, they, they were the Tua de Danon, who were, you know, the rulers of Ireland, you know, peace-loving. They had incredible magical powers and they were believed to have come from the sky. Mm -hmm. So come from the sky, yeah. So when the Milesians came into Ireland, then they conquered the Tua de Danon and the Tua de Danon were driven back into the forest and eventually driven underground to become the people of the Hollow Hills. And they became the fairy folk. So, but not Tinkerbell fairies. These are a race, a human-like race, who are really considered, you know, our kin, um, that have just been driven really into another dimensional space. Mm -hmm. so we can't see them with our naked eye, but by goodness, they're still there. And mm -hmm. Ireland, you know, to its credit, <laughs> everybody in Ireland really still believes in the fairies. There yeah. are fairy forts, there are fairy trees, there, you know, uh, growing up, um, my grandparents' place, they had this field and there was a lone tree in the field. And I remember being told, you never touch a lone tree in the field. If you cut, a f cut that down, the fairies will put thorns in your bed. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> there are these kind of malevolent stories about the fairies, but that's kind of old school. But the work that I've been doing with the she is about it's time for them to rise. Mm -hmm. They are the shining ones. Mm -hmm. They are this other race. And what I learned this week only is that the Syrian uh, star people, the Dogon tribe in Africa, you may know they were very connected with you know, their whole uh, sacred culture is to do with these people that came from the stars. Mm -hmm. and they came from the star system, Sirius. They had knowledge about Sirius way before modern science had. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I just found out this week that one of the other places that the Syrians came to was Ireland. Ireland. At Newgrange, uh, the Dagda of Newgrange was Syrian. Mm. And of course that made absolute sense because the Tua de Daman were known as the Shining Ones. And now the She are the Tua de Daman. So it's time for the Syrians to come back. Mm. Right? So this work I've been doing uh, has been very much about um, releasing the grief and the anguish of the she and the, the fact that they were basically driven down and robbed of their home and, you know, all of that. So it's to assure them that humankind wants this connection. They want, they see what's happening in the world. They want to help. Mm -hmm. but we need to be ready to put out our hand to them as well. And that's happening. That's absolutely happening. It's been amazing since I've been on this journey and since the release of the album in particular, um, how many people have been now started to work with the she and her working with the fairy company, well, really working with the fairy kingdom. So these dimensional realms are becoming... Uh, more uh, real to us, I think. Mm. Yeah. So the Song of the She was, was that your first album that you released? No, Song of the She was my last one before. This is the one that's just won the gold award. It's won six awards. So oh, okay. So it was the latest one. Beautiful. So and, I'm, yeah. and serious, you know, the reason David, um, well, you know, David's obsessed with, so David Norman was on the show. I had him on the show 
few weeks back and um, right. David is who introduced me to Leah and he's obsessed with the whale consciousness, you know, and he works in the pearl industry with the pearl consciousness. And of course the, the whale consciousness comes from Sirius. There's a planet there in the Syrian uh, um, constellation that is a water only planet where the, the cetaceans, the whale and dolphins live. Do you know anything about that? Or? Well, that's interesting. I didn't know that, but I, I knew instinctively from the very beginning, you were listening to Starsong last night. Yeah. And uh, Starsong was my, you know, my, one of my first albums. And at that stage, I really didn't have so much musical accompaniment with it because I didn't kind of, I was just finding my way with this and I, they told me that it needed to be, you know, I needed to put these, uh, this um, work out on a recording. And so I could only think I had crystal bowls and then sort of ambient sounds. But with that one, I had the song of the humpbacked whale. So it's like I'm singing to the whale all the way through. So I knew from the beginning that the whales were very connected with Sirius and uh, apparently fifth dimensional beings they they hold a fifth dimensional consciousness even well, though we can see them because they're not invisible to us they're they're very collectively orientated um you know fifth dimensional consciousness yes. is more community orientated so there's no yours and mine and her and it and using the less separation consciousness more uh collective conscious more together consciousness and um yeah, so they're yeah. an important aspect of this world, and, and they uh, are actually. Yeah. I had a, I have another story that actually just uh, triggered, as you said, that a few years ago, I just got this because I've always felt very connected to the whales and the dolphins, and I I really wanted to go and see the whales, and in for some reason that particular year they do come up there up here now at this stage. And I wanted to go out on a boat and see the whales, but that this year in particular, they weren't doing the trips out of Cairns because there had been less of them the year before. Mm. So I made a specific trip down to Hervey Bay mm. uh, to go out and basically see the whales. And the morning I was going out, I arrived the night before, and then the morning I went down to the beach and I brought... Um, I brought, I had this crystal sphere and also a little crystal skull. And I, my intention was to go and swim in the ocean. And I went in, I left the crystals on the, on the sand beside my town. And I went in and I was just speaking, sending a message out to the whales. I'm coming, I'm coming. And, you know, calling to the ancient ones and saying, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. And so I came back to my towel. And there around the two crystals is this perfect phi spiral. In a, what, a what spiral? You know, like a, a phi spiral, P-H-I spiral. So like the... the um, like the Fibonacci spiral. Fibonacci spiral. Uh-huh. So now there was nobody else on the beach. So how did that spiral get there? <laughs> <laughs> and then... Then I went out that afternoon and it was incredible at one stage. And the crew were so excited because it never happened before. 
this whale came under the boat, literally under the boat. Normally they would do it at a sort of a distance, but mm. came under the boat and it sang for eight minutes. <gasps> and I got yeah. my iPhone and I, I switched on and, and the crew said, this is unbelievable. Usually they, oh, you know, they might do it a bit, but they came, they were so excited. So that was incredible. I thought, oh, thank you. It, you know, I was right to come here. So the yeah. next day I had, um, I went to see this uh, person that I'd been in contact with, you know, how we contact people over the internet yeah. or whatever. And uh, this woman had actually done some feng shui for me, um, for the house. And so I thought it'd be lovely to meet her in person. So I went and she's a tarot reader. And so she said, look, I'll do a little reading for you. And then she just laid out the cards and she said, hmm, so I'm getting a message for you. She said, I'm getting a message. The whales are saying to me, did you get our gift? Oh. Did you receive our gift? Oh. And I went, oh, my goodness. That's so special. I just thought, oh, my goodness. So that their gift was their song. Beautiful. So that, uh, that was really, that was really special. Yeah. Oh, I love the whales. <laughs> you know, years ago, oh, there was a group of us when I was running the Academy of Light. <clears throat> we got together. We were watching a, I don't know where it is. I mean, I suppose you could speak to him. Drumbolo, you know, Drumbolo Melchizedek. Yes. He was um, talking about his journey to earth and that um, on his way to earth as a star being, he stopped off at um, this water planet where the whales live and he hung out by the eye of a whale because he's a point of consciousness and he um, and she taught him about uh, density about dimensions and about you know coming into density and and he was hanging out with her in, in Sirius and uh, before he actually his consciousness came into a physical form it was beautiful it was got to be it's got to be like 20 years ago now where I and I've never forgotten uh, him uh, talking about his journey to earth that he had this full memory of uh, of coming here and and he talked about this planet where the whales the cetaceans and that their consciousness um, dolphins apparently fourth dimensional whales are higher more fifth dimensional um, and how their consciousness moves between the two worlds between this world and that world uh, and that they can sort of live in both you know in different bodies and both consciousnesses in both worlds same consciousness and different bodies so yeah, it's amazing he, he, we call them you know animals and we see them as just these animals but there are these amazing beings that are so much more advanced than humans are for the most part you look at it, the brain of a dolphin it's um so much bigger than the brain of a human it's, it's really quite extraordinary here we are living on earth with these extraterrestrials i suppose <laughs> they come from a different oh, world well that's right and it's interesting isn't it how um it's almost invariable if anybody sees a dolphin or a whale it just produces the purest joy. form of joy yeah that's got to say something yes it. yes what they are and who they are yeah absolutely mm. and you were saying that you've got a message from your galactic mob for us today well um Yesterday, they said that they would bring something through today. So um, if you're ready and willing, 
Yeah, let's see what I they have to say. What happens and see what they have to say. <laughs> so, so I suppose what I'd say, um, Karen, to your to your listeners is perhaps just to close your eyes and bring your attention to your heart. I think at this time in particular, where in a way we're, we're going through what is quite an inhumane experience, you know, all this mask wearing and social distancing and separation and whatever, it is, it's affecting and impacting our humanity, I think. So if we can just focus on the heart, which is the most important organ in our body, the sacred heart. And the Egyptians were laying their loved ones to rest, the heart was the one organ that they kept in the body, not the brain. The heart was the organ that was believed to be the seat of the consciousness. So just put your hands over your heart and breathe into the heart. And as these sounds and words and whatever comes through me for you comes into your body. You might like to see your heart like a rose blossoming, expanding, or a multifaceted diamond getting brighter and brighter, whatever works for you. See the sounds, the melodies, expanding your consciousness. In Deo elaseo carinatu eshe ote aselnu cariatune ala. Miakuria sea aleo te se arindu cutero varieteto numia cutena. Moro ya sea cutena maria tute ashu uriteto nu ariana se tutono. Mia rarushe areandu te hashea aruya katenu marian tute asea oruyo tute nama. Indu kaharyasyo oriote asianda kariandu te hahayanutu eyama eshuyo. Yaria tutesha, aria tutesha, kuhela mariandu de kalilu tuyo. Yaru yasiandu de hela, asianducto hela kalila, sionduko halinama tuteo shu. Ayo hela, shuriwaya tutene mekoriote she, utena. Mo 
Purusheri Kariam Dute Hayam Musheru Ariyotatyo Teshuno Muriyonde Tesheri Kandara Tute Rusheru Tetuna Maria Tutena Mia Tute Shera Kuriya Tutena Makariya Tujairu Tutojene Karna Tutena Horia tu te sharjujo da na keriu teru teru tatuna.
Ashe tu kehel tu te na make aro te tu te tana. Ashe o te te a te te na makari a tu ne o tu te ash te tana. Urtete a para asiono ke arte tu usturo koroto, i kara arre asiondo ke heria tu te usturo ko orototo no. Ejera karia tu tea asiando ke haria tu tena. Aria tu tena ke a oroyo asiando ke heria tu tena. Edo este ahara orruyo ustudu eteroa. Aria siuru yitsio kohaya tutea kadea ashtuto eneu koraritatu. Yahashu uteto kehatatu ustukate. Ashtutukate. Ashtutukate. あしとこはてかなあしとこはてなまこやしてのこはやなあしとこはてなあしとこはてなあしとこはてなあしとこはてなあしとこはてなあしとこはてなあしとこはてなあしとこはてなあしとこはてなあしとこはてなあしとこは
love you. We love you. We care for you. We know you are going through a difficult time. But we are with you, children. We are with you. We are looking from above and we are with you. Fear not. Remain in your hearts. Stay in your heart. Do not lose your humanity. For that is who you are. Your heart is what separates you from the rest. Remain in your sacred heart. Hold it close. Hold it dear. For they cannot take that from you. There is great power in the heart. From it emanates great wisdom and great power. Cherish it, nurture it, feed it with beauty. Feed it with beauty to counteract the dark. Do not be afraid to let your emotions flow, for that is what the heart is for. The heart is the conduit of your humanity. Let your emotions flow. Feel the emotions expand your heart and soften it. Feel it crack open and feel the love pouring in. We are pouring the love into your heart. into your Starlight flows through now. The essence of the stars flows through now. This is who you are too. You are starlight.
but know that we are still with you. We love you. Call upon us at any time. That was huge. Wow. Really, really. Gosh. That was a. That was huge. It was huge. It was huge. And uh, it. I really uh, felt my own heart being cracked open. Mm -hmm. And the love. Oh, that's just brings the tears because the love is just so pure yeah so, oh, we're not alone <laughs> we're not alone yeah. thank you so much you said they kept saying i wanted to talk to them of course they kept saying if you're not we're with you we're here we're here and i'm like who who are you <laughs> <laughs> always the curious mind yeah <laughs> an answer. Um, I guess the Galactic Federation of Light. I just see a whole tribe, really, a whole mob, mm. a whole mob of um, just like you talked about the Indigenous nations, the the UN, the collective of all the different tribes. That's who I think that it was coming through. Who I feel was coming through, like the UN of the Star Nation people. Yes, absolutely. I, I think that, you know, um, for me, through my journey, there have been, you know, although serious, I suppose, is my gateway or mm -hmm. the gateway I came through in this incarnation. Um, other um, star seeds that I, I have gravitated to and have gravitated to me are those from the Pleiades, mm. um, Orion, and, you know, those are very important ones that... Uh, I think they're all working together. They are working Definitely. as a galactic federation to assist us at this time. Mm. So, uh, but I think the really powerful message there was, um, you know, what's going on now on our planet is very dehumanizing. And they're just reminding us, do not let that happen. Do not let that happen to you. Keep your heart open. Mm. And uh, because that's what will keep us... Uh, yeah. 
that's what will help us to make it through to the next it is dehumanizing it, it is and um just yesterday the experience of going up to the shop and having a having a thermometer shoved at my um forehead to see my temperature and and being told i have to wear a mask to enter the shop and all that you know it is so dehumanizing it is it is it's um i'm feeling like i'm in a some crazy sci-fi movie <laughs> It's not true, you know. It's literally reliving science fiction. It's mad. Yeah, to stay, but stay loving. Um, stay loving. Yeah, it's 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 not easy when we're trying to be controlled. Where you know the control is really ramping up, and uh, uh, you know, stay separate from each other. Don't gather. Don't hug. Don't kiss. You know, all the things that is the way that we express love. And where um, it's what makes us what makes us human? Yeah, what makes us human, and we're being told not to do it, and it and um, and and when you see the uh, you know when you see the uh, the ironic part of this is like the science is clear that wearing a mask does not stop a virus entering oh. your body, and virus is such a, a microscopic, hugely like a doctor said, wearing a mask is like putting a chain around your garden and hoping the um, mosquitoes don't get in. I mean, it's just ridiculous to the logical mind and i have a very logical curious and logical mind so i get into the um i get into the oh this is so ridiculous and where a lot of people are they're in a lot of anger and as we're being controlled but the message that came through from the mob the galactic team was you know stay loving it's such a important message just it's yeah. it is ridiculous it, 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 it there are the, the control is being ramped up and, and it is ridiculous, but stay loving. And it is when we're under pressure, like you were during your awakening, you said you were sick and um, like my daughter is going through some pressure. So it is when we're under pressure that we do awaken. Yeah. Uh, and, and so we are, but humanity is being put under pressure in many ways and mm -hmm. people are awakening because mm -hmm. of it. Mass awakening is happening. So for those of us who are awake, it's not for us to get angry with the pressure that is being placed on humanity, but to stay in the heart. It's such an important message, which I forget when I go shopping. <laughs> you know, it's so true. And I've been finding it very difficult. It's really difficult to, to because, uh, yeah, I just get angry when I see the manipulation that's mm -hmm. going on. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's just lies, basically. It's lies, yeah. They're being told. And, yeah. and, you know, but in fear, people believe. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. But I was in the I was in the elevator yesterday in the shopping centre and this is a little Asian lady in front of me and and she had to stand right next to me but as soon as someone walked out you know she scurried over to the other side of the lift and there was about four of us in there and I said it's hard to do social distancing in a lift isn't it and the others kind of go huh. And then she just went, you know, like <laughs> she had this really worried, like, yeah, it's really like, she's really trying to follow the rules. And, and I just said to her, as I walked out of the lift, you'll be okay. You'll be safe. You'll be, you're safe. You're safe. And she looked at me with her mask on and she's like, do you think so? Do you think so? And you know, she's believing the rhetoric. I said, you're safe. Don't fear. You're safe. And just reminding people that are believing the lies, just reminding them that they're safe. It's like, what else can you do? Um, what yeah. else can you do? Yeah. It's true. It's just, I suppose, uh, you know, we uh, sort of ones who are awake, um, the fear for us is that it's going to be too late. <laughs> People are not going to wake up soon enough. 
You're absolutely right. I, I think, think we're all right. I think, you know, we've got so much help as, as we've just spent two hours, you know, like we've just spent two hours listening to how much help we've got. Invisible though it might be, and maybe some digital cameras will pick up, but we are, we are so helped, you know, we are yeah. so guided. We, we have a lot of help. Uh, we just have to get through this intense period of um, control. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah, darling one, it's just been special. So special, I'm going to cry now. Oh, it Thank has you been so much. such a delight. You are so welcome. It's been a joy, absolute joy. And uh, I hope to see you in the flesh soon. I know, Sometime. absolutely. You never know, I might get on a plane soon and get, get up there well, to yes. get this girl. And just reminding people, Sounds of Sirius is where you can find all your uh, albums and music. And uh, and remind them about The Invisible Light because that one is free if you want to sample. I, that's my gift to, it uh, was made uh, in response to this COVID challenge that we're having. So it's specifically to help people at this particular time. It's yeah. been brought through for that very reason. Mm. Thank you again. Thank you, Karen. See you soon. Wow. What an amazing time with the beautiful Leah Scallon. Just gorgeous. I hope you enjoyed that activation transmission oh, that came through. Powerful stuff. Uh, I was just chatting to Leah probably for another hour. She told me another incredible story about a channeling that came through and it was... Um, and uh, she said it was all the masters, all the uh, like Leonardo and Da Vinci and all these uh, dead masters that were coming through. And it was coming through in a sort of uh, medieval Italian language. And they kept talking about the La Grande Duce or something, which was something about the great event, the great teacher, the great event or um, the great master. Um, and to gather the group, to gather the groups that kept coming through in this ancient Italian language, medieval language and, she was just saying that um, she was telling Mary Rodwell that she'd met Mary Rodwell and, and Mary Rodwell said, yeah, all the star children, you know, when you put them under hypnosis, say the same thing. So um, David Wilcock, as you know, many people have talked about this solar flare that's going to happen, this big event, the event, the event. If you put in the event in YouTube, you'll see all these people talking about it. So Leah was just giving me her experience of receiving that information to gather the tribes, to gather the light weavers, the light workers, and um, yeah, for the great event. But um, she said it wasn't cataclysmic, it was like exciting because it would be just this incredible shift in consciousness and density and frequency. And um, yeah, interesting, we've got some interesting times to come, haven't we? just fascinating but I was just saying to Leah I wish I had taped that because she was telling me this great story oh anyway she's full of great stories and she's full of amazing music she's just saying she's got another um, thing that she's working on she's just released one album and another one to come so it's just pouring through her the, the light the light language the music all of it so remember to check out her beautiful music it's just incredible it is just amazing beautiful music beautiful incredible music and uh, it's been a long it's been a long show so I'm not going to yak too much and uh, I'm going to have a couple of weeks off to look after my daughter so there won't be a show next week I don't think depending on what's happening with my daughter uh, I've just delayed people pushed them back a few weeks 
and uh, we'll be up and running again in a couple of weeks, um, no doubt. Big love to you all, still online every week in the Inner Sanctum. Uh, I've invited Sue to come in to meet our little tribe. She's going to come in, who was on last week, and uh, so our tribe will get to quiz her. And I'll invite Leah in as well one day. Uh, lots of people to talk to, lots of things to talk about. All right, love you all, and remember to buy the book Awakened by Death, and I'll see you all soon. Big love. Bye for now.